welcome back to Happy to Meet Cute. We have the most amazing guest with us today. Alyssa Sussman is the author of the best-selling TikTok sensation, Funny You Should Ask and Once More with Feeling. She is also the author of three YA novels, Drawn That Way, Stray, and Burn. In a previous life, Alyssa managed animators and organized spreadsheets at some of the best animation studios in the world, including Nickelodeon, Disney, DreamWorks, and Sony Imageworks. You can see her name in the credits of The Croods, Hotel Transylvania, The Princess and the Frog, and Tangled. Oh my god! (laughs) She received her BA from Sarah Lawrence College and her MFA from Pacific University. She lives in Los Angeles with her family. Oh my god, Alyssa, welcome! Thank you! I'm so happy to be here. Happy to have you! Yay! And your many lives you have lived. Yes. (laughs) My yeah. many lives. It's always very strange when every time I watch Tangled, I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know somebody worked on that. Which, yes, and I do watch Tangled relatively often. <laughs> I, it's funny because oh. I feel like that's that's a movie that a lot of people, like, it didn't, you know, it didn't do super great when it came out. But now really? it's, like, really found its yeah. audience. Um, and my my claim to fame with Tangled in particular is that for a really, really long time, I was, my voice was in the teaser trailer. Um, because when, when I was in the editorial department and, um, they do scratch vocals or temporary vocals. And so Mandy Moore obviously was, was, uh, Rapunzel. And so when they couldn't get Mandy, they had another actress. And when they couldn't get that actress, they had someone, Josie Trinidad, who's in the story department. And when they couldn't get Josie, they had, <laughs> they had the PA, me, who sounded nothing like any of them um, and could not act. And so I remember they showed the trailer for the studio. And as it was playing, I was like, wait, we didn't bring Mandy back in to record. So I'm like sinking down in my seat being like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. It's going to be my voice. It's going to be my voice. And and then there it is. And you could see everyone being like, wait, that's not, <laughs> that, that doesn't sound great. And oh, the, no. The, no, it really, it was like, it, no. was not, it was not good. Um, and the director stood afterwards and like, that's, that's temporary. Don't worry. That's, that, it's not the, it's not the real dialogue. And I was like, yeah. So, uh, so like, I still, I still remember it's, uh, oh, the line God. is, um, who are you and how did you find me? <laughs> and that was my voice for a really long time. that's amazing yeah um that's my that's my uh tangled tangled claim to fame that's that's incredible incredible. (laughs) (laughs) really is i love that so much i love that um in particular that princess and the frog and tangled were the movies that you were at disney for because i think we talked about this last week in our intro court when i was talking i went to see the new little mermaid and i was like it was so nice for Eric in this version to like actually have a personality and I feel like Princess and the Frog and Tangled were like the first movies where we really saw our princes like have actual characteristics other than just being good looking and showing up at the end and like saving the day (laughs) Um, yeah and I feel like with romance writers in particular like we all tend to be like oh yeah we love Flynn writer and I'm like yeah Flynn is like romance hero that's why yeah he totally is a romance hero and it's a lot of like similar romantic comedy beats um which i think like those movies felt a little more mature i guess like i i always think you Mm. know like you think about anastasia anastasia's Mm. like 
a rom-com an animated yeah. rom-com and i'm like we need more i feel like we need more of those you know i could talk i could talk forever about animation because i am an animation <laughs> nerd but like yeah <laughs> i have i have lots of opinions on what i think animation needs so uh yes. they the studio should call me yeah i've, I've got sure. ideas well, speaking of nerds, as we all know, I'm a theater nerd to my very core. So once more with feeling like I literally, Alyssa, I read this book in like a day and I was just like so obsessed with the entire thing. And then I think your opening line of your acknowledgments is like something about being a theater person who can't act or dance or sing. And I was like, oh my God, this is me. <laughs> I was like, what I can't be alone in this. No. <laughs> I have always been like the greatest tragedy of my life is that I cannot sing. And I'm yes. like so obsessed with musical theater. And yes. it's just never been a thing I could do. <laughs> it's like I have a tin ear. I have, I'm not a good singer at all. But I desperately wish that I could. <laughs> just but like... I love that you got to live vicariously through That's, through a, that's the best thing about writing is. Yeah living vicariously through your other characters totally so um, yeah so for those who haven't read the book yet can you tell us a little bit about it yes so once more with feeling is a friends to lovers to enemies to lovers romance about katie rose um now known as kathleen rosenberg who was a pop star many many years ago and ended up kind of torpedoing her career by cheating on her boy band boyfriend with another member of his band. And now years later, she has the opportunity to fulfill her lifelong dream being on Broadway, but the director of the, of the Broadway production is the guy she cheated with Cal Kirby. So, and they have not spoken since the end, basic ending of their careers. So it's a, it's like a love story to theater. It's a love story to, to like pop music and uh, really angry women. And um, I had a lot of fun writing it. What a setup, man. <laughs> so good. Ooh, the angst. Yeah. Love some, love some angst. Love some, you know, just emotions. High, high angry emotions. It's definitely something I have fun with. Yeah, and definitely um, very strong millennial vibes with like the Justin <laughs> Brittany dynamic. Yeah, um, I was like, oh yes, I'm having <laughs> flashbacks, and I'm here for this. <laughs> it's it's funny though because like for me, it's like it's such an older millennial story, but I've read like reviews or people being like, oh, this is totally like a Taylor Swift thing. Oh, this, you know, mm -hmm. so I think it's like all these scandals are all cyclical. You know, mm -hmm. like. Because this could also be, you know, remember Kristen Stewart and the and you know oh, the yeah. director do. You know, it's like these things happen in our culture and they happen again and again and again. And it's like, you know, you say, oh, pop star having a or you know movie star having an affair with a you know friend's husband or whatever. It's like, yeah, that's also Debbie Reynolds and Liz Taylor. You know, it's like mm. these things just they repeat themselves. So they kind of they're kind of timeless in a way. <laughs> but i mean you know it's like we're all human we all make mistakes yeah you know it's yeah. like these people are just yeah. having those mistakes made and extremely like just yeah. blown yeah. up you know situation watching everyone's yeah. paying yeah everyone's watching yeah 
Absolutely. Which, you know, also ties very neatly into the Vanderpump Rules scandal, which has <laughs> yes. dominated mm-hmm. my life for the I mean, past yeah, that's three like, months. <laughs> it's, like, it's just like, you think about, like, these are things that happen in to every, like, I'm sure in high school, we all knew people who broke up and then started dating each other's friends. And, you know, it's like, that's what yeah. happens. You have a small group of people, like, you all know each other. And the difference is that it's like, on television and yeah. in the tabloids and people know about it. And it's like, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe we don't need to know these things about, maybe we don't need to mm. get involved in people's personal lives so much, but it's, I, especially with reality, reality TV, it's like so enmeshed. So. Yeah. And I feel like in Hollywood specifically, it would be, well, in your case theater, but like in like the fame world, right. It would be, very typical to run in like small, small groups and have these things happen. Yeah. I mean, these are all micro, like the, the yeah. theater community is, is a, you know, a micro community where like, and that's sort of what I love exploring is I love exploring dynamics within those communities. And this idea of like, you know, like if you know theater, like you're going to know Terrence Mann, you know who Terrence Mann is, you know, no one else knows who Terrence Mann is, you know? So it's like, we, you have these, these stars within their communities and people who have like these reputations that just don't exist outside of it. And it's like, you know, writing is the romance world is its own little micro community. And we all have, you know, we all have our stars. Like the three of us, we all know who Taylor Jenkins Reid is, you know, like we're like, Oh my God, Taylor Jenkins Reid, Emily Henry, you know, my friends who are not in publishing probably do not know those names just offhand. Um, Yeah. Which I think is like, it's a good thing to sort of, remember as far as like you know you know within your communities it's sometimes Mm. you can get on your own like little high horse and be like I'm so great and it's like no one knows who you are Alyssa (laughs) no one knows who you are so you know don't get don't get too haughty over there you know I I love that for writers though (laughs) yeah I mean it's it's like the writing community is so it's lovely and it's so nice to meet readers who recognize you and um and they're always so polite and so sweet and so nice um yeah but the nice thing too I'm sorry go ahead Alyssa it's just it's just funny because you're like I'm just I'm just a normal person (laughs) you know people like interact with you in a way that's like oh my god your book is I'm like oh, I wrote that for myself and kind of forgot that other people were going to read it. And, you know, I'm really glad that you connected with it, but it is, it is a, it's a, it's a weird dynamic for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. It's always like an interesting thing where like when you're out at like book festivals or things where you're like in the, in the bookish community and people will recognize you and say hi to you or whatever. And you're like, oh, wow, this is kind of crazy. But then, you know, you can still like go to the grocery store and nobody yes. knows who you are and does which not is, care that you're there. Which is great. That's yes. like, I feel like that's, if you have any kind of level of fame, it's kind of like you, you know, you don't want to be like Jennifer Aniston. I, I think no. she has a very complicated life. You know, I think yeah. that's. Yeah. Yeah. So, so interesting. You know, like, nice Barbara Streisand can't even go shopping. She has to go shopping in like her own special store <laughs> because she can't. She can't go out in public because people will mob her. Damn. Ugh. You know. That's so wild. It's crazy. Writers, we are among you. <laughs> we are all among you. Yes. Creepily. 
we're listening to you. We're paying attention to you. <laughs> we are totally eavesdropping on your conversation. That much is for sure. Notes. <laughs> taking notes. Taking notes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> how was you? How like we? Do you want to tell us about the inspiration behind this book and the process of writing it? Yeah. We, so yeah. I mean, this this book was a very hard book to write. Um, once I like got in, like, you know, you, you hit, you hit your stride at a certain point and it, it took me a long time to hit my stride for this one. Um, I originally was writing a totally different book, um, wrote it. It was like a hundred thousand words. It was very long. It was totally different plot, different characters, different everything. And I remember turning it in and then thinking about it over, it was like over the holiday break was like 2021, 22 or something. And I was like, I don't, I don't want my editor reading this. Like, I don't, I, I don't think it's, it's just not right. It's not right. <clears throat> and so I said, you know, I want to, I want to try something else. Like, can I, like, can we meet and we, I can pitch you a bunch of different ideas. And so I had like five ideas, I think. And they were all like, nah, 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 nah. And then I was like, okay, I have another idea and I know you're going to love it, but I literally only have the concept. Like, that's <laughs> it. And it was the sort of boy band you know, Britney Spears type thing. And my editor was like, I love it. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> That's literally all I have. And um, okay, I guess I have to figure this out. Um, and so I re I wrote it and rewrote it many, many times. It got re rewritten from the ground up like twice. And we were getting really, it was originally supposed to come out in April and we pushed it to May because my, my lovely editor and my lovely agent were so kind, but they would like get, my draft and they would be like so you're writing a book <laughs> and it's it's coming along this is and so I was relatable like, I was like yeah I know because and like I knew I knew like when I was just like it's just not there it's not there it doesn't have the spark and mm -hmm. then at a certain point I don't really like I wish I could say like I did this and everything worked um I mean I think I leaned into the fun of the book and the, and I was like, okay, I need to really like, this is about theater. Have like, what did you love about theater? What did you love about the theater community? You need like make this fun. Cause mm -hmm. I was, I think I was just in my own head about a lot of things. And I remember sending in that draft and my editor was like, Oh my God. Yes. This is it. Yay. <laughs> you could just sense the relief of yeah. like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> you aren't, you didn't just like, leave us hanging. Um, I'm sorry. And I just remember like everyone being like, okay, this is it. This is it. We're all like, finally, um, something gelled and it, and it worked. And, and so it was such a relief to get to that point. Um, and then to find out that pretty much like a huge majority of the team that I work with was our huge theater nerds. <laughs> it was like, awesome. it was just like Amazing. so awesome. Um, so everyone was really, really excited about it at that point. And I was like, okay, all right. Cause I was for a really long time. I was just like, I'm going to have to just be okay with this book, which I'm not super proud of, which I'm not super excited about. Mm. And I'm going to have to go out and promote it mm. and it's not going to be fun. And I'm going to have to hope that people just stick with me for the next one. And once I turned that corner, I was like, Oh my God, I cannot wait to talk about this book. I'm so proud of it. I'm so excited <clears> about <throat> it. Um, but I was not sure I was going to get to that point. 
That is such a scary feeling. I definitely it's have that. Not, um, not a great feeling. No, no. It's almost like, even though this is not your second book, <laughs> it's like you had like second book syndrome mm-hmm. totally. with this one. Well, I mean, according, I was sort of joking before, but like, according to publishing, this is my second book. <laughs> no one knows I published three, you know, I think Emily Henry probably is the same. Like she was a YA yeah. writer. I think she wrote like four YA books. And then Beach Read came out and it was like, who is this person? So yeah. I'm sure she was like. Debut author. Yeah. She's <laughs> like, like, guys, I've been here forever. Yeah. Um, and that was sort of my situation where it was like, I had a book come out. <laughs> my last YA book came out six months before Funny came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No That's one wild. knows about it. No one has heard of it. No one like, like you couldn't tell a person that I'd, you know, written before, like it's, it's such, and it's such a weird situation to be, to having, like, dealing with both of those books at the same time. Yeah. Because the experiences were totally different. Like, on one hand, with Funny, it was this amazing, amazing team of women who were just like, here's, here's a comprehensive marketing plan, which I'd never had before. Here, here's how we're investing actual money into promoting your book. Here are like, here are all the things that we're doing. And then on the YA side, it was like, oh, my editor told me she sent out 50 copies of my book and she sent out 10, you know? And then I had to be like, where are the other 40 copies? And then be like, hello? (laughs) Hello? So it's like, you know, it's like, you know, there's so little that you can control about that kind of stuff, um, which really, which really sucks. Yeah. And so, you know, if you get into a situation where you have publisher support and you have like a group of people who are really excited about your work, it makes a huge, huge, like there's no even guarantee that the person who's doing marketing for you has read your book, Mm. you know, which sounds crazy, but like also these marketing people have are usually overworked and underpaid. Um, like most people in publishing, um, and you know, so they, they have to prioritize based on what they're being told is a priority. And a lot of times they have, you know, you have one publish, you have one publicist for 10, 15 books, you know? So it's like, they can't, they can't do everything for everybody. Um, so I'm sympathetic to that, but it also, it still sucks. <laughs> it still really sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something that, um, you know, we talk about a lot because it comes up pretty frequently on the podcast is just, how out of your hands everything is as the author where you know it's like you turn your book in and then it's I mean it's not your job from that point forward to make anything else happen which is nice on the one hand but also can be just a completely frustrating and maddening experience because it's out of your hands and you have no control over it and you can get those you know teams that aren't going to give you the support that your book needs to succeed and you really don't have any say in how it's going to go and a lot of times you don't even have any heads up as to like how it's going to go yeah it just happens in the moment and you're like have to deal with it yeah I think there is there is a little bit of lack of transparency um Mm -hmm. which really sucks because I think you know I think it's hard to hear like we're not promoting your book but it's even worse to be like, oh, yeah, we're promoting your book. We're not promoting. You know, it's like it's it's so much like if I feel like if I had more information with my earlier books about how little was going to be done, 
I would have been able to make decisions. I would have been like hiring an outside publicist. I would have, you know, felt like, okay, I do, if I want something to happen, I'm, I'm going to have to invest in it on my own instead of believing what I'm being told, which is like, oh yeah, we have a marketing plan. You'll get it eventually. You know, you'll, we'll, you know, and it's, and it's a, it's a marketing plan. It's not just us saying we're publishing your book in 15 different ways, um, you know, and doing like online engagement, which is not a thing. Um, you know, so it's, it's stuff like that where I'm just like, this would be really like, I'm someone who just wants to know good, bad, ugly. I want to just know what's going on so I can make the appropriate decisions. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of publishing is just not, they're just not going to be transparent about that stuff. So you really have to learn to, le- to read between the lines or you have to rely on other writers to be like, hey, can you look at this and see what they're actually saying? Mm. Um, or if you're lucky, you know, you have, I have an amazing, amazing agent, um, Elizabeth Bewley, and I can be just very frank with her and just like, what's going on? Like, what should I, like, I will ask her, like, what are their expectations? Um like, I remember when Funny came out, I was like, I don't know what designates a success. Like, what what would be considered successful in this situation? Like, how can I even gauge this? Like, I know, you know, I know the New York Times is not a gauge because that is such, you know, I think, I think we put that as like such an example of like, this is um, what the goal is, but it's very rare to hit the list. Um, it's very hard to, no one really understands that is not transparent at all, how the list works. Um, and so when that's your only barometer, it's like really hard to to feel like you're a success in any way. Um, so I, I was really, you know, had to sort of ask my agent, I was like, how, like, I, I don't know necessarily how they're going to judge a success, but like, how will we judge that this book did mm-hmm. well? And she was able to like, give me a concrete example which was extremely helpful for me and so like I definitely whenever I talk to authors who are um publishing for the first time or not even for the first time I'm like talk to your agent and and you guys can have an idea of what you what will feel like okay we were a success in the name of the in the in the voice the view of the industry or within our community or something because there's just it's really really hard to tell Mm-hmm. I love that. I, I love um, having a gauge for yourself between you and your agent as a team. Yeah. And I, and I definitely like y- your agent should be your go-to person. Like you should feel like you should be able to ask your agent anything. Mm-hmm. Um, they should, they should be the one asking, like, if you're, you know, I've had situations where I'm an editor is not returning my emails. Um, and my agent is the one who was like, Hey, you need to respond to your author, you know? Yeah. It's like, you'd think that someone would not have to nudge that, but you know, yeah. when you're, when you're at the bottom of the priority barrel, you some, that sometimes, that sometimes happens. So, and I have been, I have been at the bottom of the priority barrel for, for many books. So. May I ask, what would you say to an author who, um, is kind of getting the impression that their book is not one of the ones receiving all of the marketing and all the publicity and being the darling of the season, you know, for that house. What would you recommend yeah. to them? Because I know that can be such like a helpless feeling. 
Yeah. And I mean, the sad thing is that there isn't a lot you can do. I mean, you can always, you can hire an outside publicist to sort of get your name out there. Which are expensive though. Which are expensive. Yeah. um, And not financially viable for everybody. Um, I mean, the, the problem is, is like, no one has resources like your publisher has resources. Yeah. Um, and they're going to push the books they want to push. And the books that you see are usually the books that they've put money into, they've put attention into. Um, the kind of like runaway hit is extremely rare. Um, most of those books have had huge campaigns, have had money, have had like, you know, a book that just like pops out of nowhere is, is rare. Um, and I think publishing likes to sort of promote it like it's more it's like a more possible thing because I think that puts the onus on the author to Mm. make it work and the truth is like you cannot make your own book a bestseller like unless you're you know like doing what politicians do which is buying thousands and thousands of copies of your book and giving them out at events um but like for the most part, it's like we, no one, authors do not have that money. If you if you're not getting a, a marketing plan, you probably didn't get paid a lot for the book to begin with, so you don't have money necessarily to get another an outside publicist or whatever. So you have to rely on connections and friends and all these things and luck. And you know, so I know it's like a really downer thing to sort of say, but I find it for me, it's helpful to just be like realistic about it. Yeah, and and also to know that like every book is different. Um, like I really had no support with my first three books. Um, and then happened to write a book that found the right editor at the right time. Um, that had all like, you know, cause it is a lot about your editor. Your editor is the person who is your resource at the publisher. And it, you know, depends, do they have connections? Do, are they good at pitching your book? Um, are they, do they have resources? Do they, you know, like so much stuff that you have absolutely no control over. Um, and so it's, you kind of have to give yourself up to that a little bit and just be like, okay, whatever is going to like, this book is its own thing. And I'm going to start working on the next one. And I'm going to start, you know, focusing on the next, if you, if you want it to be like a long-term career, you just have to start writing on the next one and just hope it gets better. Hope it gets better and keep trying. It's all about persistence and tenacity. Um, and sometimes you get lucky, you know, I got really, really lucky with funny. Um, like I can't, I like, I couldn't say like, Oh, I did this and this is why it's a success. Um, cause I just, I don't think that's how it works. I think it's, you know, you, you, you have to work hard enough to get to the point that if you get lucky, you can ride that wave. Um, so it's like, you have to be ready to get lucky kind of situation. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be so easy. I think a lot of people, especially as debut authors, like we put so much on the success of that first book or your first and your second book. And I think it can be really easy if those don't go how you want them to, to just be like, well, I'm done. Like I tried and you know, this isn't for me or, and I'm sure for a lot of people too, it's even more of like a practical thing of like, you know, I tried and I can't devote any more of my time to this, or I don't have the resources to dedicate the energy to this. Um, But I think, I mean, your success with 
funny and I'm sure with this one coming up is like is really a testament to what can happen when you do kind of push through that and keep going and uh, and I have read your first two books and I love them. Thank um, you. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, a lot of it is about your skill as a writer, but also just your ability to kind of hang in there and tough it out and, and put up with the bad until you got to the good. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like so much is stubbornness and I'm so stubborn. So you're never going to tell me like, it's not going to work out. I'm like, I will make it work out. I will. I <laughs> You know, and I was like fully prepared to just be like, well, I'm going to be in the YA trenches for my whole career, just clawing my way up. And maybe one day I'll get on like a best of list someday, <laughs> you know, like I was really prepared. Like this is going to be a very long haul. Um, so, and you just, you just never know. Like, and, and I'm like, in a lot of ways I'm at the beginning, hopefully fingers crossed at my, of my career, you know? Well, yeah, for sure. It's how, only up from here. Yeah. And how <laughs> did it feel um, like when Funny became a TikTok sensation? Like, did it happen overnight? Like, how, what was that whole experience like? And I ask because I know a lot of us feel, um, a lot of authors feel like it's our job to like, like we're the ones who are going to make it go viral when that's really not how it is. And I feel like sometimes publishing makes can make publishing as a monolith can make authors feel that way. Like, Oh, you better market this. You better <laughs> yell about it on socials when really it, so much of it is out of our hands. How, so how did that yeah. all come about and what was that experience like? And how did you feel? Um, I mean, it's so interesting. Well, cause I'm not on TikTok at all. Mm -hmm. I'm only on Instagram. That's the only social media I have. So I really had, yeah, you know, so it's like, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't think, Nothing I did, really. Um, my publishing team, I think, sent it to the right. had a, had a great list of TikTok influencers, and they they you know were invested in sending it out to a lot of people, um, which is really helpful. And it was a few weeks after the book came out, so the book came out, and I think it did fine. You know, I think people were happy with it. Like the expectations were kind of moderate. Um, and also like, you know, you can sort of like all of these books that like hit the bestseller list or whatever, like usually they're books that get on, you know, book clubs, like that's a guarantee that you're going to sell really well. And you know that ahead of time, you know, if you're going to be on, yeah. on a, on a list or like on a book of the month or a like a book of the box. month thing. Yeah. You're going to yeah. know a few months ahead. You're not allowed to tell anybody, but you'll know. And, um, so I knew that that wasn't happening. So I sort of had my expectations tempered um, and I was just like, and, and I'm really lucky in the sense that I, every publisher that you ever work with will be like, we're investing in you as an author for your career. Um, and that's not always true. Um, but with Dell and uh, my editor, Shauna Summers, they are really, really great about, like, they really do want the, their expectations are reasonable. You know, they were not expecting funny to be a big TikTok sensation. I think they were, they were pleased with sort of how the sales were. They're like, there's room to grow. There's all of this stuff. Um, we aren't, we aren't as concerned as the, about like publishing the, the release week, um, which is kind of in YA, it really feels like if you have not made it like almost like a week before, like if, if your book isn't doing well in pre-orders, 
it's kind of over by the time your book comes out. That's, that's how it felt for me. Wow. And so it was nice to sort of be like, okay, you know, it's doing fine, but I'm still hearing from my team. You know, it's, it's, it's not like they've dropped off the face of the earth. I'm still, I'm still hearing updates. They're still exploring ways to get the book out there, all of the stuff. And then someone on TikTok really, really liked it. Um, I believe it was Mandy. Oh no, Maddie, Maddie Mayo, I believe is her name. She was sort of the the spark. Um, and people just like, she's a great TikToker and people just saw it and it went, it just started like gaining traction, gaining traction. And, um, because it was this situation of like, you know, get luck, get, be ready to be lucky. My team was like, okay, we, we can capitalize on this opportunity. We can help promote her TikTok. We can sort of start sending it to more people on TikTok. We can, you know, we'll ride this wave and we'll, we'll really, um, they're all, they were always looking for sort of opportunities to um, get it out there, which was amazing. Cause I was like, I have no, like, I don't know what to do with this. Like, I don't, you know, and I was also like, this is a bit of a downer, but like I was dealing with a lot of personal stuff when funny came out. Like, so when I was on social media break during this whole going viral thing, because my dad was dying. And so I was dealing with that happening and like being with my parent, with being with my mom, my sister and my brother, and then like getting text messages from my team being like, it's this on Amazon and it's this on, you know, Barnes and Noble and all this. And they, they all knew what was like happening in my personal life. And they were sort of sending these things like, you know, we want to send you good news. We want, you know, they were very kind and very sweet. And no one, no one was like, could you please just like go on social media and just like say something like no one said that at all. They were just like, you take as much time as you need. Like, we've got this. We, you know, which is a huge gift and, and that's, you know, they, they took the opportunity and made it bigger and bigger and bigger. And so I, it was just all this blur for me. I was just like, I don't even know what's happening. Like what is going on? I'm dealing with this like huge emotional, like personal stuff while experiencing like career highs. Like this is a very confusing moment in my life. Um, so this time around has been a little like, I've been like, okay, got to, figure out a way to like take it all in and experience it and um, be able to like really um, cherish what's happening and and the support that you're getting. So, yeah. But like, yeah, last year was a extreme blur. So I I could not tell you a lot. Mm. I love how your publishing team took care of you. Yeah. I mean, that's a great model for how it like, I feel guilty in a sense because I'm like, this is not, this was not my experience Mm -hmm. previous to this point. And, and I feel very, very lucky that I'm working with people who are good people, like who care about me and, and, and I just really, really love them and, and am so grateful for them. I feel the same actually about my team. And it's um, like, I know we talk about publishing as a monolith and like, obviously there are so many widespread issues and, you know, and for you, less like past experiences that were really rough. Um, but I also like, it's great to shout out the people who are also incredible. Like they do exist. They are out there and they're incredible. They totally do. And they are so good at their jobs. Yes. And so incredible. Like just like I could, and it's like people who worked on funny ended up moving. They're like two 
people who worked on Funny who one left publishing and then one went to another publishing house and I'm still in contact with them, you know, and they're still like, we're still supporting you from afar and we still, you know, and it's all about being grateful and generous and um, appreciative of what people are doing for you. Um, I really think of it as it's totally a team effort, um, you know, and, and having experienced what it's like to do it by yourself. I'm, I'm really, really grateful that I actually had experiences where I didn't have the supportive team because now I know, Oh, don't take this for granted. You know, Mm -hmm. this is, this is not what everyone gets. And so you need to be very cognizant of how lucky you are and Mm -hmm. how, you know, special this group of people is. And so I'm, I'm like, you know, I get emails from them. just like, I love you guys so much. Thank you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, they're amazing. They're all amazing. I think what's really interesting about kind of like the going viral on TikTok is that when you are leading up to your pub day, like they always kind of tell you in your, in your marketing meetings, like, okay, so that like four to six weeks before your book publishes is like the target area when you like want to send out the arcs and hit everybody with it and all that stuff. But I think it's so amazing that your team was still so invested after pub day that that made a huge difference. It wasn't like, oh, this one person on TikTok really liked the book. Cool. It was, oh, how can we capitalize on this? And how can we, you know, stoke this flame that has like sort of started there? Um, and I think a lot of times in publishing, you you don't necessarily see that. It's like, okay, the book is out. We've done our job. It's going to kind of do what it does. But if it maybe hadn't been for them being so actively involved after the fact, like, you know, maybe it would have gone a different way. I think that's so fascinating and a good lesson. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was, that was for me, it indicated like, oh yeah, when you say you're in this for my career, you mean it. Um, Because like I, you know, when, when funny started doing really well, I was like, oh, maybe this will help my YA, which just came out and they had already checked out. Like they, I I honestly don't even think they know how my book, like that I write adult fiction. That's wild to me that they were not like all over that. No. And I remember (laughs) I said, Hey, you know, the paperback's coming out. Can I update my bio to say that I'm a bestselling author now? And they're like, oh, it's too late. (gasps) And I was like, okay. Wild. What? And then, and then the, and then the marketing for, for the drawn that way paperback was that I got a box of paperbacks. And that was it. And funny had been out at that point. Funny had been like still was still doing really well. And I was like, yeah, okay. You guys don't want to make money. That's stickers on a book. Yeah, it was, it was, you know, so stuff like that. I'm just like, I, I don't know. Like, again, you cannot control this. You cannot, you cannot make publishers or people care if they are like, just like, no, we don't. We're, Mm -hmm. we're, we've already decided that you're not uh, viable for us. So we're, we're not going to try again, you know, yeah. uh, which can be really frustrating, but wow. again, it's... having had those experiences, I'm like, I know, I know I have it really good now and I'm really, really grateful. And I don't, um, take that lightly at all. Yeah. Mm. I will plug again. I know I've talked about it before, but if you are a writer or an aspiring writer out there, if you have not already listened to the publishing rodeo podcast, you need to get on that immediately because they talk about a lot of this stuff. Um, and really it's 
So it's hosted by two authors who are with the same publisher in the same genre, the same debut year, but one was a lead title and one was like low on the mid list and just the way that they very frankly talk about the differences in their experiences is just like so educational and informational and upsetting at some points in time. But um, I forget who I was talking to, but they were like, how do you even know if you're a lead title? And I'm like, well, I think they would tell us if we were. So if you aren't getting that kind of information, then, you know, you're on the mid list with the rest of us. Um, yeah, which is which, fine. Which, and, but it, I mean, it sucks yeah. that like they can't really even just say that sometimes. Yeah. And you're just yeah. like, okay. They, yeah, it's, but that, that sounds like a, yeah, fascinating look at publishing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, which is why we all need two things, comfort watches and plants. <laughs> hey, there we go. <laughs> Lovely. Yay. <laughs> two things I like. <laughs> Tell us so, about your... Yeah, what are your, some of your favorite comfort watches? So right now, my husband and I have been re Well, I've watched it many, many times, but he's watching it for the first time, which is the Johnny Lee Miller and Lucy Liu Elementary, which oh. was on CBS like a few years ago. Yes. And, and this will maybe, you know, people will maybe turn off the podcast after this, but I think <laughs> it's better than the BBC Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock. I'm just going to say that. I think um, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Better character development, less casual racism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like Johnny Lee Miller is great as Sherlock. It's like they focus it all around his addiction, basically, which is, mm. it's fascinating. And and my husband, who is not a procedural kind of guy, who's seen me watch this show many, many times, was finally like, okay, I'll watch it with you. And now he's like really into it. So that's that's good we we always um we're always re-watching uh star trek next generation Love that's that. a big it's a big comfort watch for us um x-files and things like that so it's nothing new we're watching very few new things these days did you like so, roswell loved roswell oh yes because we were we were at the uh at an event with yeah. um with Bridget Morrissey, which, which you moderated and she was talking about Roswell. I'm like, Oh yeah, that was, that was my, I think my first fandom when I was a teenager. Oh yeah. And I freaking yeah. Like, cause what she was saying about it is like, it has all of the romantic romance yeah. kind of tropes and does it so well. And so, yeah, if you like, it has like star cross lovers, it has enemies to lovers. It has like soulmates. It has like, was it our any- first twilight? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and like, and then beautiful, beautiful people yeah. falling in love with All each other. Beautiful. All of them beautiful. None of them teenagers. No. Um. So. But yes. that was back when it was the WB, right? Yes. Oh, before yeah. it was the CW. Yeah. I mean, and that was really our gateway to romance. I mean, I, we had Dawson's, you know, we had Buffy, we had. I think, I think so. so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I say it's funny because I was thinking a lot about how I think musical theater in a lot of way was my gateway to romance mm. because a lot of the ro- the musical theater that I loved as a kid has a lot of romance tropes in it. Um, and I think when I found romance when I was in middle school or something, I was like, oh, this is what this is. This is the feeling I'm getting 
Like this is, this is the thing that I'm really drawn to that I really like. Um, but like, I learned about enemies to lovers from like Oklahoma, <laughs> you know, which is a great yeah. enemies to lovers story and yeah. like the pajama game. And like, you want to talk about banter, like banter in a song. Oh, so good. So yeah. good. You know, which one There's... I remember so well is um, Bye Bye Birdie. Ugh, yeah, yeah. Bye Bye Birdie. That's a, I know that's, that's a great like, love triangle. Us, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched all those growing up with my mom, all the musicals. You're right. Yeah, there's so much, there's so much fun. And I feel like they are tapping into something very similar where it's this heightened emotion and heightened, and they're, you know, also things that stereotypically young women really like and are the major fans for. Um, and I don't think it's a coincidence. That's why we don't respect it as a genre necessarily. Mm. Yep. Boom. So, <laughs> spoiler alert, it's misogyny. <laughs> I was just thinking about maybe the most problematic musical I used to watch on repeat as a child, which is Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, but I love yes, it. Yes. But I love, oh, yeah. Well, Howard, I mean, Howard Keel has charm oh, up the wazoo. God. I mean, he is like. I yeah, was... it's a super problematic musical, but it's so charming. <laughs> I was so young when I watched it too, and I was like, ah, "That's funny. They're just carrying all these women into the mountain. <laughs> They're just kidnapping them. Isn't that adorable? Yeah, <laughs> they oh must really God. love them. Yeah, <laughs> this is true love. No. So oh many God. of those old uh, movies were so problematic. <laughs> I know. <laughs> But the dancing, the dancing, I know. and it's that, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers in particular, you're just that like... That barn scene with the old... Also, too, it was like yes. my first foray into, oh, dudes who can sing and dance hey. are super hot. hot. Hey. hot. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. led to me being, having a crush on every gay actor kid in my musical <laughs> theater program in Aww. high school. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's sort of a joke in Once More with Feeling about, you know, Cal being a straight guy at a theater camp. And it's like, yeah, he was definitely getting as much girl attention as he wanted. Like, cleaned up. You know, yeah. Like, that's, that is what happens. Um, like, I went to Sarah Lawrence, where it's like, there are three guys there, you know? And we had, like, an all-male acapella group somehow. And I remember people would come to, like prospective students day and they would perform and i'd have to be like okay this is all of them this is all of the men at sarah lawrence that's like that's it 50 percent of them are gay 25 percent of them are in long-term relationships and the other 25 percent have slept with everybody on this campus so those are your op i just want you to know don't come here for the boys don't come here for boys oh my god so, that's amazing yeah <laughs> shared experiences of theater kids <laughs> across america that's right yeah all, all the theater girls are like yep uh -huh. Uh -huh. my first boyfriend was not into me <laughs> cute oh my goodness all yeah. right we've been staring at this amazing plant on your wall and i like <laughs> I kill everything that comes across my path. I am so terrible, but I know you are very into plants and Courtney is also very into plants. Yes. Well, I, I mean, I used to be a plant killer. So this is like, this is a pandemic thing that happened. We had, we got a plant when we moved into our house, which was in 2019 and I didn't kill it. 
And then at some point in 2020, I was like, what does our house need? I think it needs some plants. And so I started buying, like, I still have about a 60% success rate, um, which I'm pretty proud of. It's, it's gotten better. I've brought a few plants that I've killed back to life, which is thrilling. That's like the biggest thrill ever to be like, poor little dead plants. Look at these new little green leaves. Um, but I still also mostly like a pothos plant, which is what is behind me on the wall. Those are pretty, pretty easy to grow in the sense that they will tell you when they're really pissed mm-hmm. and when they're not happy and you can sort of bring them back pretty quickly. Um, and I also love a snake plant, which is also very easy. Um, so, but yeah, I have, we, we're, we're kind of running out of space for all of my <laughs> plants right now. Um and I keep wanting to buy more. And yeah. my husband's like, where are we putting them? And I'm like, we'll figure it out. I don't know. We'll find details. Them. Insignificant yeah, that's, details. It's not important. <laughs> but uh, we have, we're lucky we have a house with a lot of space and a lot of light. So I get to, like, we have a, a beautiful porch where there's a lot of plants out there right now. And the big trick with that one was trying to get our puppy, Jordy, um, Star Trek Next Generation reference, of course. <laughs> um, we we're trying to get him to stop eating the plants. Um, we haven't completely succeeded on that one yet. So we're still, <laughs> we're still waiting on it. So he's, he's eaten a bunch. He's eaten a bunch of stuff. Cute. Yeah. What's, what is, what are some of the plants that you have, Courtney? Oh, I love some Pothos your... and, um, Monstera. Mm. Snake plant for sure. Outside mm-hmm. I have a lot of succulents, um, but they don't do that well for me inside. Um, yeah. But yeah, those are actually like the main three. I have a um, Dracaena tree as well, which does really Ooh. well here. Uh, but it's been a lot of like, like I've wasted a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, oh, me too. Yeah, they know me at at the local plant stores as someone who will come and spend a lot of money on things and then be back because yeah. I've- killed something yeah it hasn't worked out for me um I've killed a lot of plants but I have figured out like the four that I can keep alive inside the house (laughs) yeah so those four make me look pretty good (laughs) I mean that's all you like that's all you need yeah I I always run into trouble when I'm like I'm gonna try a new plant and it's like it's like oh yeah no no they're not happy they're not you and it's like it's a trial and error of like moving them around the house being like okay where where will you be happy yeah um those are the sometimes sirens. the answer is never. Yeah. Nowhere. Those are the sirens of plants because you'll be at the mm-hmm. nursery and be like, oh, you're so beautiful. I can make it work. <laughs> it's like the next morning it's dead. It's like dead. Yeah. yeah. You couldn't survive the car ride. <laughs> it's like, take me back. Take me back. It's a suicide mission. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Yeah. That has happened to me for sure. Oh my god, I have to tell you this funny story. Okay, one time I got it was called a cat palm. I was like, oh that's cute, it has the name cat in it. Uh-huh. And um they were it was non-toxic to cats. Um and I have two cats, so I was like, okay, well, this will be great. And um <clears throat> it was not happy in our house, like at all. I don't know. I think I was still getting used to how to water things and I overwatered it, which that's really, really hard to come back from is overwatering. Yeah. Because the roots will rot. Mm-hmm. Um, and once that starts, you can't really reverse it. But anyway, so the whole tree started just like falling over. 
And I did something like maybe I took it out of the pot <laughs> one night. And then I came back down in the morning and it was standing upright. And I was like, oh my God, I felt like a God. I was like witnessing. And my husband, <laughs> I'm like, Michael, the tree, it looks so good. He's like, that thing falling over. I turned it around and propped it up against the wall. <laughs> so yeah. Like, shh, shh, don't speak. Don't speak. <laughs> that was so funny. That was like the biggest uh prank ever but oh um, my god I, yeah I, i'm laughing like the nerdiest plant person like that's probably funny to one person but it was very funny to i me. i appreciate i appreciate plant humor um 100% down. i mean our yeah i i can't convince our dog to not eat the ones like a monstera is not good for dogs and yet that's the one he wants to eat all the time and i'm just like jordy you're an idiot like stop eating things that are bad for you my cats do the same thing and they're not like toxic and that they'll die like i think the only really really bad ones are like peace lily or something like some are which i have oh. and thankfully they have not eaten like okay, the cat good. is not interested in the plants at all oh, but like good. yeah my cats love yeah. them so i buy them like wheatgrass so that they can oh. nibble on that oh, no, i don't fucking know and then um but the plants <laughs> they'll nibble it and then they'll throw up i'm like don't you see a, like a correlation no don't do that no yeah. See, we always, ha we always have the situation in our house where one animal throws up and then like the other animal wants to eat it. And then that, like, it's just like everyone is like, everyone has to throw up like the same night. And it's like always in the middle of the night. And I'm just like, you guys are such assholes. Like, can you not do this? Yeah. Yeah. yeah our cat threw up in the middle of our underneath our bed Shut up! Where no. we could, I was like, we can't reach that. This is a, like, what is wrong with you? And so our dog army crawled under the bed and ate it. Oh, <laughs> you guys are disgusting. Oh man. But yeah. Oh, God. Pets Life and plants. Pets and plants. Great combination. <laughs> Do not recommend. I love this episode. We're like <laughs> publishing can be totally awful and destroy your mental health, but also so can our pets and our plants. I know. <laughs> Guys, everything is gonna be okay, I promise. This is I what feel like, yeah, I'm like, I haven't really talked about the book at all. It's just everything around the book. The book is really good, guys. I promise you. If you like Broadway theater. This is what happens when we don't <laughs> have sun in Southern California, okay? Oh true. It breaks God, us. So gloomy. So bad. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready I, for sunshine. It's oh. not. It's not okay. Tell us about what you have coming up next. So I am working on my third book for Dell, which I'm super, super excited about. Um, and it is actually going to be kind of a sequel to Funny. Um, it's about Gabe's sister Lauren. Um, so if you've read Funny, you know there's a scene where they're at dinner and Lauren is sort of talking about an actor on Gabe's set of Philadelphia story who was kind of flirting with her. And so it's kind of about that. Um, and it overlaps. It starts before funny starts and then ends after funny. And so there's a little overlap, um, but I'm really excited about it. I'm excited to sort of visit these characters again. Um, and yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun. Yay. Amazing. Yeah. So excited. <laughs> and really, truly, um, not just saying this because you're here and we're friends, but once more with feeling is incredible. Aww, I, yeah, devoured it. And I'm like, that, that was one of those, when I like finished it, I was reading the e-arc and I was like, Oh, 
I'm excited for when I get my physical copy so I can Aww. go back and read yes. it again. Yay. Yes. Yay. Absolutely. It's, it's definitely been very fun realizing, finding the overlap of romance readers and musical theater lovers. And I'm like, come to me, come to me. You are my friends. So there's a lot of us. I keep I telling know. my, uh, my editor is very into Broadway as well. We connected yes. uh, like on our first phone call, mm-hmm. which nothing in my book has to do with theater at all. And yet we totally talked about it in our conversation. I love that. I was like, I really want to write a Broadway book. And she's like, I really want you to write a Broadway book. We need more of that. We need, we need some more Broadway books. I'm very, very excited. For sure. Um, Can you tell our listeners where they can find you on the internet? Not on TikTok. Not on TikTok, guys. (laughs) (laughs) No one wants me on TikTok. No one needs me on TikTok. I, I leave that to the experts. Um, I am on Instagram. Um, at Alyssa Sussman. Um, and that's kind of, and I have a newsletter, which you can sign up for on my website. Um, and that's it. I'm not super online. Um, but I do, if you, I, I try to respond to messages I get. Um, I really love engaging with readers. Um, don't tag me in negative reviews, guys. I do read <laughs> them all. Um, you can, you could not like the book. You can write negative reviews. That's totally fine. Just don't tag me in them, please. I have to I say, have <laughs> um, I was having this conversation, I think with Erin LaRosa the other day, and she Love was her. like, I finally like started responding to people when they tagged me in like negative reviews and just being like super polite, but just being like, you know, hey, in the future, like if you could not do this, that would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like we really appreciate it. And I was like, oh, how are people responding to that? And she was like, actually, like the feedback is like pretty good. Like most people just like don't know. Right. And so I did it the other day. Oh. I got tagged in a 3.5 star. And the <sighs> review itself was like very nice for the most part. But I just was like, in the future, you know, you probably shouldn't tag authors in like anything that's not a four or five star. Like, I really appreciate you reading and sharing. But, you know, just for the future. And she would, the person was so kind, was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. And I was like, great. Yeah. No big deal. We had this conversation and now, you know, for the future. So, yeah, I mean, I never, I never see it as malicious. I'm always just totally. like, I think, I think people just don't really realize that we check our own social media stuff and that we, oh, you know, that makes sense. You know, I yeah. think I, or they, yeah, I think there's a sense of like, we don't, we don't read all of that stuff or we have someone else who does it for us or something. And it's like, no, it's me. It's me. I'm the person behind it. And I, um, I have feelings, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, but you can you can feel however you want to about my book. Um, totally, it's it's not for everybody. That's totally fine. Um, but if it is for you, please let me know. That makes me really happy, and we can talk about musical theater all the time. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Love it. All right, well, Alyssa, thank you so much for being here. This Thanks was an amazing me. conversation, and um, I think there was a lot of good takeaways. So hopefully, hopefully everybody is coming away with some good information. Definitely. Yes. Just right. just keep trying, guys. Just keep <laughs> trying. <laughs> Don't give up. I love Be it. Be stubborn. That's Be a good stubborn. one. Be stubborn. Be stubborn. Yeah. Love it. All right. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you mm-hmm. next week.
Thank you so much for listening to Happy to Meet Cute. If you enjoyed our podcast, we would love it so much if you would give us a follow on social media. We are at Happy to Meet Cute on Instagram. And also, if you could please leave a review and subscribe, that would be amazing. If you would like to follow your host, you can find Courtney at court underscore K, K-A-E, on all social media platforms. And you can find me, Fallon Ballard, at Fallon Ballard, everywhere you imbibe your social media. If you would like to buy any of the books mentioned in this episode, you can find links in the show notes. And a special shout out to Zachary Kibbe and Matt Ballard for our amazing theme song. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we hope to see you next time.